Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, we're going to hit you with part two of Natty's hindsight draft. Sensational to go through this with Natty. Really did enjoy it. A little bit different to the ones that I had picked the other day, which is really exciting to see a different perspective. Now, we're going to kick off from number eight here. So the first few ones that we went through, we went number one, Natty took Turbo, two, Cleary, three, Teddy, four, Ponga, five, Little Pappy, six, Cameron Munster, seven, Latrell Mitchell. We're going to kick off with number eight today. If you'd like to go back and have a listen yesterday, we dropped Natty's first one to eight picks. You can go back and have a listen to all of those. And then the day before that, I dropped my 1-20 to 20 as well of my hindsight draft using all the information we have now to redraft for Supercoach draft right now. This is Natty's Picks 8-20. to 20. Stay tuned this afternoon. We've got a really special podcast dropping talking about my favourite Indigenous players and the moments that they own that I was there live for. So a really special one for me reflecting back on some of the greatest moments in rugby league history. Stay tuned for that one this afternoon. But let's kick off Natty's part two of his hindsight draft. Pick number eight. I think we're going to have a similar story here. Who is it? He's the only bloke that's steadfast in my top 20 and that's Dylan uh, Cody Walker sorry so he's Dylan um, and, Walker fuck me yeah it's a Dylan wild Walker, one yeah he's come, come into fray yeah I love him <laughs> um, yeah Cody Walker so I got K- Cody Walker pick 8 in the Loveless League my home league and I've been happy with that pick I mean he's the type of player that can open a game up and can win you a game single handedly but we've seen that, you know, he does have that poor game in him with that 16 a couple of weeks ago. That was disgusting. I couldn't believe that. But I think, and I said this all preseason, you know, in the weekly rubdown, talking about how when Latrell Mitchell is healthy, it's going to stifle Walker's game. Everyone was talking about, oh, Cody Walker playing both sides of the field. That's so good. It doesn't happen when Latrell Mitchell's playing because Latrell wants to play both sides of the field and you don't want too many bodies around. It just gets too messy. Um, And you see, I mean, he's been playing amazing. He's been scoring tries like nobody's business. He's also been, you know, putting tries this on. But the games where he's scoring tries is you'll notice that, you know, the line break's already been made. He's scoring tries with the support play. So when he scored two tries and, you know, only scored 90 points, that's what you're going to get from him because – He's not making the line breaks. It's all from support play. So even though, you know, I'm happy with him at this eight, and I took him at eight because I know that this is the role he's going to play. He's going to play a lot of support play. You know, he's obviously going to control that left, but he isn't going to be the last pair of hands that the ball sees before, um, you know, the the bunnies are putting on tries. It's, It's going to be Latrell Mitchell most of the time. And, mate, the other thing with Cody Walker, I mean, you have a look at his scores this season. He hasn't cracked 100 yet. It's been, what, nine games for him. He's scored eight tries. Now, if if I would have told you Cody Walker after nine games would score eight tries and hasn't got 100 yet, it would be a bit of a worry for you, wouldn't 
Oh, and mate, as an owner, I was watching that game where he did score the 90 and I'm going, this last year, at the back end of last year, this is a 160-point game. Yep. It was just backup support play after support play. And when you don't have those tackle breaks and you don't have those line breaks, it just hurts his super coach game. But as long as he's scoring tries, you've got to be happy with it. Well, mate, as long as he's scoring tries, he's doing well. But, I mean, it's not as easy as he makes it look. And I look at the game two weeks ago against the Melbourne Storm. He scored 16 points. Uh, a game they got flogged in. I understand that against a good side. But, I mean, come finals time, he's got to play the Penrith Panthers. He's got to play the Sydney Roosters. As an owner of him, I am a little bit worried. But I also know... The Wayne Bennett at South Sydney, they always peak at the back end of the season, don't they? Yeah, they do 100%. And also, you've got to be start thinking about trading as well. So, like, Cody Walker's a perfect player that you could try, trade high on after, you know, a 90-point performance or some, something like that against a bloke that's 5'8 needy. And you could pick up a player that has maybe not a, a, as good three-round or five-round average but has definitely has a better run in, in your Supercoach finals. And I think that's a really smart play. And a lot of people that play Supercoach draft, obviously I get DMs all the time about who do I trade this and who I trade that. And I give them advice and they go, I can't, I can never trade Cody Walker. It's like, he won't know if you trade him. Like he's not going to be fucking upset <laughs> if you trade him. He doesn't know, bro. Like trade him. You've got to be smart about it. And if you want to win a trophy, if you want to win a comp, you've got to be you've got to be looking ahead from now on. Like this is sort of mid season. You've got to be looking ahead. And if Cody Walker goes out in the next sort of three, four weeks and starts averaging, you know, eighty plus in those games, trade him. Mate, the other thing about Cody Walker, um, obviously you mentioned that when Latrell Mitchell's on the field, he can stifle Cody Walker a little bit. When Latrell Mitchell was out and Benji Marshall came in, I thought, wow, this is going to be sensational for Walker. Dare I say, Benji Marshall sort of did a similar thing. If he wasn't on the inside picking up some loose tries there, there would have been some very low scores in amongst those few weeks at fullback as well. The one thing that I really hope Cody Walker takes from watching Benji Marshall for the last few weeks is the way that he uses that edge back rower, Colum and Tungy. I feel like it's something that Cody Walker doesn't do anywhere near enough in his game. And I think Colum and Tungy shown over the last few weeks, he's a really destructive ball runner. I would love to see Cody Walker use him a little bit more. Oh, man, I heard heard you say this on one of your other podcasts, and I couldn't agree more. Walker and I talked about Cody Walker just being the death to whatever fucking left-edge back row is playing for the Bunnies because he just doesn't see them. They don't exist. He just uses them as a block play, and he always sends it out the back. And then you see Benji Marshall come in, Colin Matangi is just running those perfect lines. I mean, he made like three line breaks and two try assists in three games just off the back of Benji Marshall using him. So I, I totally agree. I hope Walker looked at that and went, okay, this is a game that I can, you know, I can put into my own game and, you know, it makes the this, this left side even more dominant, even more, you know, attacking. So, no, I totally agree. And, mate, I would love to see him play off the back of Kulam and Tungy. I would just love to see him drop him off. And then him, Latrell, Gagai, AJ, they all just shoot down that short side. I mean, Kulam and Tungy would just drag so many guys in. You take that edge back rower in the defensive line, you get him at marker. I mean, it's over for Cody Walker there. I just I just think that they really waste that edge spot. And I hope Benji, being the experienced guy he is, I hope he's had a chat to Cody Walker because I think they're just missing so much potential attacking upside on that edge. It's not even funny. Now, mate, Cody Walker, he was number eight. Take me to the rubdowns ninth pick in the hindsight draft. Oh, everyone will fucking laugh at this. David Fafita. So Trapasaurus. Yeah, Trapasaurus. Walker and I are very vocal on David Fafita being a huge trap. Um, got that one dead set wrong, and we'll put our hand up for that one. But like I keep saying, for every wrong one, we've got six or seven right. So give yourselves an uppercut for anyone that gave us shit for it. Um, but he's been amazing, hasn't he? I mean, seriously. I, I I knew that he could have these 100-plus games in him. I was worried about the games that he was going to be quiet, that he'd score 40-45. But in the games that he's been quiet, you know, he scored above 65. So that's I, – I get the big 100 scores. And, and I mean, I'm, I didn't see him getting two fucking hat-tricks. But I get that he can go big, and I knew he could. I was worried about how the Titans would use him. I was worried that Ash Taylor wouldn't be able to get the best out of him. And I was worried about those low 
um, games where his base wasn't there, but he surprised the hell out of me. Um, he's done just amazingly. He, he he deserves to be in the top 10 just because every time the Titans give him the ball, he's making 20-point runs. Mate, I wasn't as vocal about it as you. I was too busy um, trying to sell Jai Arrow down the river, who's also come out and had a blinder. Uh, but David Fafita... He's a guy that I felt very similar about. And, I mean, I look at his scores now. Week one, when the Gold Coast Titans went like a busted, he scored 60. That's been his lowest score of the entire season so far. And you know what? I know this will be an unpopular opinion, but as you said, score two hat-tricks was unreal. Mate, in those second halves, he did go go, go missing in those games. And I, I want to buy into this David Fafita hype. And I've got him really high up my list as well. But it does still worry me that he can go missing in games. And I know all the stats tell me I'm wrong. But I'm really worried when we get to the back end of the season. He's obviously got to play the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Melbourne Storm. It worries me that he could go MIA against those sides still. Yeah, and it, it's always going to be a worry. But what I've seen from him this year is he's making really good defenders look like boys. Like there's there's guys that he's run over the top of that I've gone, fuck, I did not see that happening. Like he is a mammoth of a man. And it's almost like it's just clicked in his head where he's just like, I'm unstoppable if I get a, a head of steam up here. And the Titans are obviously like, just give him early ball. And that's what they're doing. They're just giving him ball and going, go, son, do it. Now, mate, we obviously talk about uh, your end of season run, how important it is. As we said, he plays South Sydney. He plays Melbourne. He plays Newcastle in Newcastle. Uh, a pretty good matchup there. Not ideal, it's in Newcastle. Grand final week. He plays what looks to be a good matchup, but the New Zealand Warriors, they always face up, don't they? This will probably be the last game, uh, either before they're playing finals or before they head back home to New Zealand. I've got a feeling the New Zealand Warriors will be up for that game. They are up for every game. They hang in just about every contest they've been in for the last two years. The end of season draw for him, it isn't fantastic in my opinion. No, um, and look, I get you with the Warriors, but the Warriors can put points on, but fuck, they leak them as well. So that'd be the type of game where the the scoreboard reads 62 to 60, and there's eight blokes that score over 100 Supercoach points. Yeah, I yeah, mate, I, as I said, the stats proved me completely wrong from the start of this season. I am still a little bit hesitant. Maybe I'm just being stubborn. I'm not sure. Mate, the next forward on our list, he comes in at spot number 10. Who is it? Tohu Harris. Now, Wooker and I had Tohu Harris in at 16 or 17 in uh, our top 20, and people laughed at us. They were like, there's no way Tohu Harris can back up this form. Um, he's the biggest trap. Um, you know, he's not going to get those minutes. There's too many mouths to feed. You've got BMM coming in. Talk about Jazz coming in. They've got edge back rolls falling out of their ass. Um, but we were just confident that, you know, the the type of output that this guy has and the way that the the club sees him as as a player, you know, and Simon Mannering comes to mind. You know, how heavily they relied on Simon Mannering in that middle third of the field. It's the same with Tohu Harris. And I mean he's came out come out and he's proved us right above and beyond. He's been absolutely amazing. Average eighty point four, low of sixty six. And a top of 104, I mean, talk about consistency. This bloke is the best set-and-forget captain in Supercoach right now. Consistency, key for this bloke. Um, and then you add in, so last night, what did he get, 70-plus again? Yep. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yep. I mean, I just love this guy. I got, I actually won Tohu Harris in our home league in a bet, and fuck me. he's. I just put the captaincy on him every week. And I just pick an upside player that plays before him. It's as simple as that. It's like when you had Corey Parker or, or Gallen, you know, back in those days when you knew they were going to get 70, 75 every week. Mate, I'm, I'm having a look at his stats now. And the thing that I find most impressive, uh, you mentioned the word um, consistency. 2017, uh, he averages over 60 points 45% of the time. 2018, over 60 points 50% of the time. 19, 46%. Last year was at 70%. That was unbelievable. That was over 20 weeks. Uh, this year, he's now played 11 games and he's sitting at 100%. Over Jesus. 60 points. It is incredible. If he was to not score another 60 for the rest of the season, he would still finish at about 50%. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Those stats are ridiculous. And the fact that 
you know, everyone said it was it's just impossible to keep that sort of that PPM, that output that he put up last year. And he's doing better. He's doing more um, with the minutes he's given um, than last year. So, mate, he has to be in the top 10. Mate, this is a guy, as you said, you had him at about um, 16 or so, and he's always a guy that I'm a little bit hesitant with. I understand how consistent he is. It's fantastic. But in the modern game, you do sort of want that high-end potential, that huge captain score that some of these top guys can get. But I think if he gets a pick 9 or 10, the value is just too good there, isn't it? Mate, 100%. And I don't know if you saw a post I put up last week about how many edgeback rollers have scored for the Warriors. Yeah. 56% of the time, edgeback rollers have been scoring tries for the Warriors, which is just fucking crazy. And the fact that Tohu Harris starts the game at, at 13 and then rotates through the edge, he's a good a chance as any of scoring a try as well. So there's that you've got to, you've got to factor into picking him at 10 as well. And I think, mate, the other thing that matters to me is how much Nathan Brown loves this bloke. We know that Nathan Brown, he can cut and change his teams. Like every morning they play, it is blown up and they start again with the team list they named. This guy, Nathan Brown knows that he cannot take him off the field. We saw on the weekend, Reese Walsh had an absolute blinder. All Nathan Brown said was, Tohu Harris was our best player on the field. To me, that stuff really matters. Oh, my God. He's sucking his flesh flute every week, isn't he? And so he should. So he should. He's, he's lit. like I said, he is the next Simon Mannering. Epitomizes the name of the club, doesn't he? Big, 100%. And and the type of player you can build your club around. Mate, take me to pick 11. We're outside of the top 10 now. Uh, you've got a couple of high-end guys coming up here. Who'd you have at 11? I took Gutho. So we were really big on Gutho um, all preseason, talking about how he averaged 75 over the first eight rounds in the past three years. And I thought that stat was just incredible, that he starts the year so so well. And because he's one of the fittest blokes in the league, right? So I feel like he comes into to every season one of the fittest blokes in the NRL. And that helps him during his game because that's the type of game he plays. He likes to pop up all over the field, um, great support player. Um, you know, he's playing the ball on the left, and then the ball goes to Moses to kick it. And somehow Gutho is the one that catches it on the right. It's ridiculous. Like he teleports across the, the, the field. Um, and the reason that I liked him so much um, in our top 20 was that's trade bait. He's a type of player that, yeah, he's going to average 80 in the, the first sort of eight, 10 rounds of the, 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 the season. And then you can trade high on him to someone. I mean, you could trade Gutherson for literally anyone at the moment. Because he's playing so well, 82.1 average. I mean, he got a 32 against Melbourne and a 47 against Roosters. I mean, that's you got to take that. They're the two best defensive sides in the league. But you take those two games out, and he averages 92. Mate, the one thing that worries me about Gutho, and I had him in a very similar spot to what you had him the last two weeks of the season. Well, the last four weeks of the season, uh, he plays Manly at Brookvale. They then have to go play North Queensland at Bank West. Uh, that one's not a bad matchup. It's the last two weeks that worry me. Melbourne Storm, Penrith Panthers. Uh, it is a very tough run home. I haven't analysed all of them, but I would say it's right up there with the toughest. Before Manly, they play the Canberra Raiders, the Sydney Roosters, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. You are essentially playing a final series before the final series, aren't you? 100%. And like I said, I'm, I'm drafting Gutho to trade him high. I don't want him towards the end of the season, but I'm going to trade him high. Um, and like I said, this is the time of the season where you look ahead and you start looking at those matchups in your Supercoach finals and trade Gutherson for someone that has a better run. Now, mate, one guy that we mentioned earlier in the podcast, he's going to come in at pick number 12, and we're sort of using our judgment on this guy rather than just reading the stats that we've seen. Who's coming in at number 12? It's your boy. It's Harry Grant. And like I said earlier, I don't think he plays 80 minutes for the rest of the season. I just think that the the, the Storm aren't going to pressure him too much to play big minutes with these these injuries. He's the future of the club. They want to, you know, you don't, you don't want to burn him out in the first, game, the first season that he's playing for the Storm, you know what I mean? But like I said also, with 60 minutes, he could average 80. You just don't know with this kid. He's so good. Um, and Hooker is... You know, one of the positions that's lacking in the depth in depth most. So he deserves to be in the top twenty. And at this turn, like if you got someone like, you know, Dave Fafita and Harry Grant, or even Clint Gutherson and Harry Grant, you know, you're looking really good to start your draft. 
Mate, he's one of these guys too. He's just he's just got so much attacking upside, it's ridiculous. And obviously, as we said, you want him to play 80 minutes. My only worry with Grant, and look, I was the biggest advocate for he will play 80 minutes. Don't worry, overreacting. What they're doing right now, it is just working so well, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And the fact is that, like, obviously the cheese was training all off-season with the, with the mindset that he's going to play a lock. So he put a little bit extra KGs on. He's looking big. He wanted to be an impact player. So, you know, those short, sharp bursts that he was coming, you know, either starting the game or coming off the bench. So that's why he sort of had a slow start when he was playing hooker. But now he's conditioned to play dummy half. So while he is conditioned to play that position, why wouldn't you sort of give Harry Grant a rest at points during the game just to save him? I mean, he's got a long career ahead of him. I wouldn't be sort of burning him out. Um, and, I mean, obviously, we want we all want him to play 80 minutes um, if you're playing Supercoach and you've got him in your side. But if you're the coach, why wouldn't you use cheese, yeah? Mate, for sure. And, look, there's one thing that worries me about these Melbourne boys when we talk Pappy, Munster, we talk Grant. The one thing that worries me is at the back end of the season. Now, I'm assuming the Penrith Panthers, they're going to absolutely shit in for this minor premiership. I'm assuming they're going to have it wrapped up probably two or three weeks before we're done. Um, I think the Melbourne Storm, they're going to be entrenched in the top four. They're not going to be a risk of dropping out of that top four, but I also think they're not going to be able to win the minor premiership. The only thing that worries me is that these three guys could get rested in the back end. Yeah, and it's a massive worry. Um, and we know that Belliac does like to rest his players and and rotate them through. You know, Munster might rest one game, then a little puppy the next, and then Harry Grant might rest the, the week after. And, you know, they're going to be thereabouts. They're not going to be clamoring their way to make, you know, the top four. They're going to be there. So... And when you start to sort of put yourself in the mind of a coach, of course you would do that. You want your team um, and your and your players coming into the NRL finals fresh and feeling good. I mean, some players don't like to have rest and they like to sort of play through it and come into the finals with form. But, I mean, if you've got some niggly injuries, which, let's face it, every fucking NRL player does, it's good to have a week off, spend that week in rehab um, and just come into the finals fucking firing. So it is a worry. Mate, pick number 13. Who have we got there? What do I got? I've got RTS. I mean, how good has he been this season? And you know what? Last night, we got moved to wing. I mean, I'm seriously, I, I benched him in one of my leagues. I was like, nah, look, it's it's not going to be good. Um, I'll put someone else out there. That, I had another fullback that I put in there. I can't remember who I put in there. But I was worried that his scores would be so low. But he's obviously been given uh, a chance to roam and do whatever he wants on the field. But he's got back to his best. I mean, some of his scores that he's put up, I mean, he's averaging 74.3, a little bit inconsistent, but he's definitely found that high upside again. He's got three games over 100, um, and he just seems to be the focal point of this attack. And now you've got Reese Walsh coming in there as well. Those two last night, it was just electrifying, wasn't it? Mate, it was unreal. I managed to pick up Reese Walsh in my competition, and thank God I did. Stop I think he's going to turn my season around. Um, Sexy. Let me ask you this. Right now in your draft team, if you could have Reese Walsh or Roger Tuovasa Sheck, and if we know that Reese Walsh is going to play fullback for the rest of the year, do you still take Roger? Mm, I'll probably take... Oh, fuck. If you know... Yeah, so you know that, that RTS is going to play wing. Let, let's say know. hypothetically, if we know he is, which... Mate, the more I look at it, I'm not sure how much longer they can keep Reese Walsh out of this side. I've been saying it for two or three weeks. He is just oh, too good. something else, isn't he? He's too good. I mean, if RTS can do what he did last night off the wing and just, ro- and just roam and be wherever he wants to be on the field, just think, fuck, that's tough, man. I'll take RTS just because of the name and just because I know what I'm getting from him. Um because it's clear that Nathan Brown looks at Reese Walsh as this raw talent that just isn't there yet. Everyone's sucking his dick, and Nathan Brown's like, he's got a lot to work on. To be honest so, with you, I didn't have Roger in my top 20, and I reckon Reese Walsh was the unluckiest one to miss out on my top 20 as well. I've my, my, my stocks in Roger, they've plummeted hugely, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I look, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, I just think this year... RTS is going to average 75 to 80, which puts him in the top 20. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that one plays out. Mate, take me to pick number 14. I'm going to go Ryan Madison. Now, 
you and I were both on the Angus Crichton train from day one, and we wanted to take him over Maddo. It's just worked out that that left attack for the the Roosters. We obviously we originally thought that Kiri was going to play there on the left, and that was going to be link up play there with him and Gussie, um, and that hasn't worked out. Whereas Ryan Madison, we knew that he was going to have that base. But what I've found, in, and yeah, it's a small sample size because obviously the concussion issues and the injuries and stuff are a worry, but he's found some attacking upside. You know what I mean? Like, scored a try, he's got a try assist, but he's also got that massive base to go along with it. And the thing with the Eels and what I've found in 2021 is they fucking love to use their edge back rowers. Yeah. They love, love to lay that it. platform, don't they? Love it. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Papali'i, unbelievable. Uh, in the absence of Maddo. And then Maddo's come back and, you know, he's put together a 60 and a 70-something. Uh, he he definitely belongs in this top 20. Mate, I also think that uh, Mitch Moses played a major role in what he's doing. We spoke about Moses a lot last year, and I think that he hasn't gone back to his old style, but he has let the shackles go a little bit. He is playing some more open footy, and I think that's a result of the sort of rugby league we're seeing in the modern game. But I definitely think moving forward, that's definitely going to help Maddo. Uh, his run home... Uh, Pretty tough. <laughs> Pretty goddamn tough. Uh, the last few weeks, he plays the Melbourne Storm and the Penrith Panthers. Uh, we spoke about this earlier with another Eels player, I think. Uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? We spoke about it with Gutho as well. Melbourne, Penrith. I mean, I'm not sure how much attacking upside I see in those two games. No, but I think you can get 65, 70 out of him just in a in a tough game. He's the type of guy that puts his hand up for a lot of work, gets through a lot of defensive work as well. And then in the runs that he does have, he's always looking for the offload as well. So, I mean, in those tough matchups, if you're getting 65, you're pretty happy with that. I think also, mate, now that we are into pick 14, we're definitely, for most competitions anyway, we're heading into round two territory. So a lot of this comes down to who you pick round one. I mean... If I had a Tohu Harris, I probably wouldn't go a Ryan Madison. But if I'm pairing him up with, you know, a Turbo, Cleary, Teddy, Ponga, Pappy, Munster, these sort of guys, it really is a perfect little combo, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that's been the way that you draft for a long time. I mean, you've you've played the game for a long time, so have I. And if you can link up a really high upside guy with a really safe guy, that's a great start to your draft. And I think, mate, the guy that you've picked at number 15. Now, if you would have got a Fafita or a Tohu Harris round one to get this guy round two, I think it would be sensational. Who is it? It's uh, Jerome Luai. I probably had him going round three in um, at the start of the season. I look, I, I knew there was a lot of improving improvement that, that could go on in this game. But when you look at how the Panthers are... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Attacking. And you look at how much confidence and bravado that Jerome Luai is playing with. I mean, and then you add in the attacking weapons he's got around him, like Kikau, Burton now, and fucking To'o. I mean, it just, it just, how can you not average 80 in this team with those weapons? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's easy as fuck. And then you add on that he's just got an incredible um, game in, in itself. You know, his kicking game's gone to another level. He's, he's short kicking games, like almost perfection at the moment. His footwork's out of this world. Um, I just think, you know, you add in that 5'8's a scary position to have as well you know it's so shallow and if you don't have a really good 5-8 your team looks like shit so yeah I love Luai I really do mate I obviously had Jerome Luai in my comp last year got him very late I had Kikau as well I had Josh Manser I had that entire left edge and the one thing I had Stephen Crichton as well I had the entire fucking thing the one thing I remember with Jerome Luai is that you know when they're in structure it's great but if a ball hits the ground and Jerome Luai picks it up oh. and he's playing eyes up, mate, that's where you want him to be. You, I, I used to get so excited when I'd see him come to that left edge and I knew kick out wrong the wrong line or he'd overrun something and he'd spin around and come back. Mate, that's where he can break three or four tackles, put in a perfect kick. He can do absolutely anything. Playing off his head, 
he is so dangerous. And this is one of those guys that, as you mentioned before, that upside of the modern game where sometimes you can come up against 12. My God, Jerome Luai, he is just oh. made for that sort of footy, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a very sexy player. I mean, and not only just when the ball hits the ground, but you notice when sometimes the defense really rushes up and tries to cut off that left attack and you see him dart back infield. I get excited with that as well. I go, oh, here we go. And he starts just stepping around the whole team. I mean, yeah, he's a special player to watch. Mate, it's unbelievable when we, when we think, you know, we've both got Cleary in our top two and how dominant he is, yet this guy... I mean, if I've got Cleary and Lua, like I'd rather have Cleary, but geez, the gap isn't as far as what 15 draft spots looks, is it? No, no, definitely not. I mean, we saw we saw the left edge have surprisingly low scores last week, but that was just because the 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 Penrith Panthers just found and exploited the left edge defense of the Titans and they just hit it again and again. And they didn't need to use the left edge um, players. And I like that as as a strategy for a team, I like that because now when teams are doing film on the Panthers, they're so fucking confused. Now they're going, well, geez, we really thought the left edge was the dominant side. Now they're fucking attacking down the right. What the hell do we do? So, yeah, they can attack and score points everywhere. Mate, uh, that side, Penrith Panthers, you've got another one of their fantastic players at pick 16, another origin hopeful. Who have you got there? My favourite player in the game, Brian Toto. I mean, I think it has to be everyone's favourite player in the game. At one point, he was leading the league. He probably still is. But he was leading the league in average metres made per game, average post-contact metres, um, tackle breaks. And then you look and go, wow, it's a winger. It's a fucking winger. Yep. Have we ever seen a winger have this sort of impact in the game? And it's, it's the way he runs as well. He's so powerful through the legs. But he runs like he's a short guy anyway. Just say I'd, I'd say he's probably five nine. Say he's five nine, but he runs at five three. Yeah, like he's, he's ducking through tackles. He's running low. He's up and then he's up on his toes again. Then he's low again. You know, it's like a boxer. It's like a boxer doing um, defensive work. It's crazy and it's so great to watch. And like we were talking about before the podcast, sometimes you have to pick guys that you enjoy watching as well. Yeah. I enjoy watching Brian Toto, and I'm excited to watch Panthers when he's in my supercoach side. And it makes the experience better. It makes draft better for me when I've got blokes like this in my side. So not only are we talking about a 74.9 average, which is crazy, but you're talking about some of the games he, he plays when he doesn't fucking score a try. He scores 70. It's unheard of. Oh, mate, it's unreal. And I mean, here's a winger averaging 75. He's only scored in four out of his 10 games. Like, that is just Ooh. ridiculous. And I, tell me tell me a guy that can score one try and get you over 90. Yeah, it's unreal. And, mate, I mean, he's the sort of guy he can score no tries and score 70. Like, he's done it a couple of times this year. I put on Crazy. my Instagram the other day, the closest I've seen to him is Matt Utai. But... Matt Utah didn't have anywhere near the workload. Matt Utah was nowhere near as quick. Matt Utah was nowhere near as athletic. He didn't have the same instincts as this kid. He is just something else, isn't he? Yep. And look, I was telling blokes to take him in round four, and people were going, that's way too early for Brian Tor. And look, I knew that the workload was going to be there because Josh Mansell left the side. Um, and you've got, obviously, you've got Staines coming in. And I knew that he wasn't going to be the player that would take up the slack that Mansell left. But I knew that Toto would be the type of player that could take up that slack. And that's what's happened. And, mate, I, I think with this guy as well, he's the sort of guy that I wouldn't imagine towards the back end of the season. If they want to rest guys, I don't think this would be the guy they would do it for. No, no. I mean, no way. I, yeah. I just can't get over how good this guy is. Seriously, I'm hard as a cat's head just talking about him. And, mate, the huge advantage for him, of course, is that Stephen Crichton's moved over to the right side. He's got Matty Burton there now. The ball goes from Jerome Luai, a brilliant ball playing 5'8", to Matty Burton, another brilliant ball player, to, you know, in between that, there's Viliami Kikau, who we've seen him on a number of times. He can fall into this shape where he's the the man going out the back, and he can lay tries on for Toto as well. He has just got guys that are actively looking to put him into space constantly. It is a massive advantage in Supercoach. Yep, and he is, like, if he gets the ball five metres out, he's unstoppable. He is unstoppable because everyone's looking to hit him up top 
obviously, to wrap the ball up and take him over the sideline. But again and again, he'll duck. He'll roll. He'll do a fucking commando roll in school. Like, he's just... The way his mind works when he's attacking, he's got the ball in hand, he'll do anything to get through a tackle. Yeah, and it's the same at his own end, isn't it? I mean, I quite often see teams, they kick to the left corner, you know, they're attacking left corner simply to keep the ball away from him, and he will run the 60 metres to get over there and take a scoot. He just loves coming in for work. He's such an unbelievable footballer. I, I don't think he's like anyone we've seen before. I've compared him to Matt Utai, but I think I still think there's light and day between those two with all, all due respect to Matty Utai. Mate, take me to pick number 17. Who have you got? Okay, so 17 is where it just blows up for me. I've got a list of blokes here you can take. We're talking Reed Mahoney, DCE, Sam Walker, Val Holmes, Jaden Braley, Jerome Hughes, Angus Crichton, Damian Cook. You know, it depends on how your first round goes. Um, I will talk about Reed Mahoney just because he's had some sort of a 21 and a start to this season. Now, Walker and I talked about Reed Mahoney and his upside and attack at the start of last season. Uh, and we said, this guy has got some real upside and we've seen it in the lower grades. We've seen what he can do out of dummy half. He's got a, he's got really good vision. He knows how to read the defense. He's got a nice little deaf kick, nice little ball off the hip. He's really good out of dummy half, quick over 20, 20 meters. We said all this. And then, of course, he went out and averaged 50. Made us look like idiots, but we were just a year early. We've seen it all come to fruition this year. Mate, this is the, the player that we knew he could be. Mate, I, I did not see this coming at all, the player he is. I egg all over my face. Another one like Jaden Braley, I just thought he was going to be meat and potato. Uh, a big worry for me. Mate, the one thing I've got to ask you is a massive worry for me. This weekend, I believe they've got a hooker named on their bench. Now, listeners, uh, they will be hearing this once it's done, so they'll know more than we do. But right now, I believe Joey Lussick, he's been named on their bench. I believe he, he's a nine as well. So does that worry you moving forward? Yeah, 100%. He needs 80 minutes. He's definitely a type of play, player where his defense sets the platform for his super coach points, you know? So you're getting 45 to 50 points just in tackles, and then you're hoping for a little bit of that upside. Either he puts a, a player over or he scoots himself. So he's the type of player that definitely needs to play 80, and that's the same with Jaden Bradley. Like if someone was named on the bench, and I was worried about Connor... Watson taking some time off Jaden Braley's minutes, um, and that would obviously impact him massively because he's the same type of player. He needs that defensive base of 45 to 50 points just from tackles to get you in that realm where, yeah, he's super coach relevant. Mate, I've plugged Ray Mahoney in at pick number 17 from you. The next guy's on your list. Who would be the next one you'd take at pick 18? I'm going to go a little bit against the grain here. I'm going to take DCE. And I'm not only going to talk about stats because his stats are shit. His average is shit, right? But I'm looking ahead mainly. I'm, I'm looking at their 24, round 24, round 25 matchups. I'm looking at um, DC finally connecting with Turbo and, and getting that link up. I'm looking at um, Curtis Siren coming back into the side. We know how um, DC likes to use Curtis Siren. A lot of his try assists come from giving Ciro early ball close to the line. Um, I just think he's the type of halfback that will get, you know, he's probably going to average 70, 75 in your Supercoach finals, maybe even more. So that's why I like him here. And halfback's just so scary that I think if you picked him here and obviously you're looking at his scores and you're going, look, I'm fucking upset with how he's gone so far. But I think it's only up here from DCE. You'd want to hope it's only up just quietly. Yeah, yeah, no. Trust me, you can you can timestamp this and replay it on your podcast later, and, and then you can text me and tell me I was right. <laughs> Mate, I'll be honest with you. He's a guy that I didn't even consider in my top twenty. Um, and look, obviously it's a hypothetical, but another thing that worries me if Turbo does go down, my God, it is. I I just look at DC and think, fuck, what am I going to do with him then? You know. Yeah, 100%. And I'm going to handcuff DC with Jerome Hughes, another guy playing halfback that's just been playing out of his skin. Um, I think he belongs somewhere in this top 20 also. Is he coming in at 19 for you? I think so, yeah. I, I, I've got to start at the back end of my top 20. I've got to start looking at, at positions that are lacking in depth, Yeah. right? Because I'm nothing worse than, than having – looking at your side and going, fuck, I'm, I'm, I lack in hooker or I lack in halfback or 5'8", because 
there's just nothing out there. And everyone that's had an injury to Grant or an injury to Munster or whatever know what I'm talking about because there's just fucking nothing out there. And you plug someone in and they get you 30 points, you just go, well, that's the best I'm going to get. So you need you need to get one of these blokes because if you start the year with you know, a subpar half or a subpar hooker, you'll just be struggling for the rest of the season. I think Hughes has been amazing. Um, I think the the way that little Papi and Munster and obviously Grant are playing, I feel, I feel like it frees him up even more. Like yep. there was a conversation early on in the year that, you know, like with all these stars, is it just too much to spread around? And it uh, it feels like they're all playing well because of it. The one thing that I look at Jerome Hughes, and I think, you know, I have a look at his stats. He's averaging 73. Very impressive. Um, in his first five games, and we're only up to round 11, in his first five games, he scored above 50 once, and he's averaging 73. The last few weeks have been unreal, and they've played the Roosters, played the Warriors, they've played the Rabbitohs. Like they've played some handy sides. And for me, I look at their right side, obviously, as, as a Remus Smith owner in just about everything imaginable. I think that right edge, it is so far away from what it was the last few years. Like, they still haven't worked themselves out yet. And this guy sitting on an average of 73, it is unbelievable, isn't it? And it's, it'll interest you that even though you would th- you would think the left edge is super dominant, and it's only just become dominant in the percentage for tries that they scored down the left in the last three weeks. Yeah. It was right dominant up until then. So, And that just goes to show you that, like, you know, they can score all over the field. And when the ball does start singing out to the the right, Hughes just puts it on. And, mate, just um, food for thought. I mean, Hughes, 73 average. Munster's sitting at 74. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah 100%. It's, yeah, and it's yeah. just the consistency you're buying with Munster. You know that he's score, he's averaging 74, but the lowest you'll get out of him is like 68. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you've got those low games with Hughes and that super high upside. So I think with, with Munster, you're buying that consistency. And then when you're looking at Hughes, you're buying that upside. Now, mate, we're going to dive into pick number 20 now. This is your last pick of our uh, hindsight draft. And, I've got three names written down that I think probably should be in the top 20. I'm very interested to see who you fill this final spot with. Weekly rub down, pick number 20. Who have we got? It's my boy, Jaden Braley. He was not one of my three. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Jaden Braley. I, look, and going with what I said before, filling these spots that are lacking in depth. Hooker's a huge one. Jaden Braley, in the same... like I. I they're interchangeable, Reed Mahoney and Jaden Braley. I just think Reed Mahoney has been able to use some of those big front rowers a little bit better than Jaden Braley has, and I'm sure that'll probably come in his game. But, um, you know, he's averaging something like 48 tackles a game. But like we said at the start of the, the season, uh, start of the podcast, he's um, he's got a great vision at a dummy half, and it surprised everyone. I mean, you talked about just looking at him and how he plays. You didn't think this was part of his game. And for someone that's averaging 74.2 playing hooker, you have to take him in the top 20. Oh, mate, he's just been going unbelievably. And, like, he's a genuine captain option every week. I know we're obviously draft-heavy, but I think classic-wise, I was talking to Whisperer this week, he had him as the buy of the season. Like, where he's come from to where he is now, it is unbelievable. I mean, it took him it took him six weeks to go under 55. Unbelievable. Yeah, and it, it, I forget about him. He's in my home league, and I forget about him because yeah. you never have to worry about the points he's putting up. And the only time I look at him is when I go, oh, shit, he scored 90. And, I mean, mate, sure. mate, he's averaged 74. I mean, is this Newcastle team, have they played good footy yet? No, and that's the thing. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think he's worked out how to use these big, big boppers yet. Once he figures out that Daniel Saifidi is one of the most dangerous players close to the line, I mean – you got David Clemmer there. Mitch Barnett's playing through the middle now. I mean, the sky's the limit for Jaden Braley. I don't think we've seen the best of him. And, mate, as we mentioned with KP before, the run home is unreal. Round 21, mm. Broncos. 22, Sharks. 23, Canterbury. 24, Gold Coast. 25, Brisbane again. It is a sensational run. And let's be honest here, this Newcastle side, if they're going to play in the top eight, they're going to have to win a couple of these last few games, aren't they? It's going to be crucial. Exactly. And like I said before, they've got the second best middle, super coach wise, in the game. And it looks like they're not even trying. So imagine once this all starts clicking and this team starts getting on a bit of a roll, I mean, Jaden Bell is going to be a part of it. Mate, uh, that rounds out our top 20. You had Turbo, Cleary, Teddy, Ponga, Pappy, Munster, 
Uh, Latrell Walker, Fafita, Tohu, Gutho, Grant, RTS, Ryan Madison, Jerome Luai, Brian To'o, Mahoney, DCE, Hughes, and Jaden Braley. The three guys I want to ask you about that missed out that I think have been very hard done by. Um, the first one, I didn't have him in my top 20. I thought you might have, though. I, I, I think you were pretty high on him in the preseason. Damian Cook, mate. Tell me about him. Yeah, so he's, I've got him written down as, like, from 17 onwards, if you took Cook in the back end of your of your second round, I'm happy with it. Yep. Um, obviously been really underwhelming, but he's another guy that I really like his post-origin uh, form. I think he'll definitely average more than he's averaging now by season's end, but um, I just think his base has been really down. That worries me. Like, he's just not making enough tackles, and, and his base is really down. And then, obviously, because they've got players like Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, um, and then their outside backs are just playing amazing. You see the South, they're, they're playing lateral football. They're sending the ball from left to right, and they're, and they're making defensive slide, 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 and then they're scoring on their edges as well. And it just doesn't sort of – the game script doesn't work well for Cook. You know, Cook plays the best when the front rowers are just fucking pounding it up the middle. When, you know, Cam Murray is – getting offloads or Cam Murray's, you know, making bus up the middle and then getting really quick play the balls. That's when, you know, you see the best of Cook and it just hasn't happened. Mate, can you imagine if I took you back to the start of season 2020 and I said to you, hey, Cameron Smith's going to retire. Harry Grant's going to go back to Melbourne and he's going to share the duties with Brandon Smith. And there's going to be these new rules that suit running hookers down to a T. And I said to you, Cook won't be in your top three hookers in 2021. It is unbelievable, isn't it? Crazy. It is. It is. It's so crazy. And that's because you've got blokes like Reed Mahoney and Jaden Braley that are just playing amazing football. I mean, the the difference is that these guys have got a 50-point base on them. And just Cook just doesn't have it at the moment. Mate, the next guy I want to ask about, and I already mentioned him before. Um, I didn't have him in my 20 either, but I had him as probably my unluckiest to miss out. But some of these hookers, you've made really good arguments for them. It is Reese Walsh. Uh, obviously, it's been a small sample size, but I just haven't seen a guy move like him the way he is at the moment. It just, It is a super coach special, isn't it? Yep. And so in the preseason, I, I, Walker and myself called round three in a 10-man league, the fullback round. And that's because whatever fullbacks are left, you have to take them. Yep. Whatever whatever attacking fullback are left, Brimo, Reese Walsh, whatever it may be, you have to take them. So, yeah, he would probably be the first one you take on the turn after this 20. Mate, uh, two more guys. The last two guys I'm going to ask you about that didn't make yours. Uh, one of them definitely made mine. The other one I strongly considered. I'll start with the one that definitely made mine. Um, a guy that we were really high on in the preseason. Hasn't been as great as we expected, but still he's been fantastic and he's got a huge upside in the footy side. He's in Angus Crichton. How, how did he miss out, mate? Explain it to me. Look, I, I, I like... It's, he's a forward for starters, and I'm, I'm just in this new game. I'm not really big on them. Yep. And the fact that there's been so many decent 2RFs that have come, you know, come into contention over the last sort of 10 rounds makes me think that I could have got someone pretty similar to Angus Crichton later on in the draft. And the fact that that left edge has just been dead for the Roosters. I mean, Hutchinson was the death to left edge players. And I, I get that Lamb, all he has to do is just give him ball, but I don't have a lot of confidence in him. And you see that the Roosters' right edge is scoring like 58% of their tries down the right. It's just humming down that right. And the reason I was so big on Angus Crichton in the preseason is because I thought Kiri was going to be playing left. Yeah. And I thought that left edge was going to be the dominant edge. And I thought Kiri was going to be feeding Angus Crichton ball. And he was going to be scoring like a try every three games. It just hasn't happened. I mean, don't get me wrong, fantastic player. He's, he's low, he's like 55, but the reason I was going to have him in there is um, because of that upside, and I just don't think it's going to be there. Well, mate, something that I haven't thought about until you started talking then, even a bit more deeper on Angus Crichton, I mean, we're hearing Boyd Corden is going to return over the next few weeks. We know he won't play Origin. You'd assume that when Boyd comes into this side, he will go straight to the left side. Uh, Angus, he could potentially end up on that right side. I think there is big upside for him this year. And I talked about this on a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago on the rubdown. I started talking about Angus Crichton as a trade target for that very reason. Yeah. You know, he's got a down average. People are, are pissed off with him. He's playing on the left. And I don't think people are thinking about this, that Cordner won't play right. 
he is a left player, and there's no way he won't play left edge back rower, which will 100% put Angus Crichton on the right. And then you've got Sam Walker feeding him. Now, Sam Walker's not the biggest advocate to use his edge back rolls, as we've seen since he's come into the game. He loves that rainbow fucking Harbour Bridge cutout ball to his winger, but he's got more chance of scoring tries coming off Sam Walker than he does Lamb. Speaking of the Harbour Bridge pass, Sam Walker's the last guy I want to ask you about, mate. Now, the consistency isn't there, but the ceiling, it is as high as any of the guys on this list on a good day. He has been unbelievable. He is goal-kicking as well. Sam Walker, did he come close to getting in your 20? Yeah, well, I've got him jotted down. The only thing I worry about him is such a small body, and we've seen him get banged up quite a bit. Yep. And as teams do more and more video on him, they're going to want to jam him. They're going to want to sort of jam him up under that that arm, that shoulder that's having the AC joints. Now, like if you if you're doing film and you've got a bloke like I don't know Isaiah Papali or Ryan Madison or one of these sort of big boys that have got a bit of pace about him that can put pressure on Sam Walker, you'd be telling him to attack that shoulder, wouldn't you? Oh, for sure. And, mate, there's one more guy I want to ask you about, and he's just a guy that I remember just having to look back at my list. I don't believe you had him on yours. Uh, Val Holmes, I think mm. in a side that hasn't been overly impressive, he, I think I had him at about 14 or 15 off the top of my head. I think that uh, his high-end potential is just massive. He's so involved in everything. Obviously, fullback, center wing, he's got that dual position. Um, I guess his ceiling isn't as high as his other guys in the top teams, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you'd agree he's a tough one to leave out of a top 20. 100%. Like I said, round three, fullback round, he'd be one of these guys to go early on with Brimo and Reese Walsh. Um, the only thing that sort of worried me is he plays for the Cowboys. And, I, mate, I have a look at their run home. This is unreal. Brisbane, Gold Coast, West Tigers, Parramatta, St. George. Uh, a pretty good trot home, isn't it? Mm, that's nice. Yeah, and like you said, thing that the cows do well, wherever they're scoring points, Val Holmes has got some sort of hand in it. Without a doubt. Natty, it's been sensational to go through the hindsight draft, mate. I think we might have to do this at the back end of the season too. Yeah, very interesting. It's like fucking jumping in the DeLorean with Doc Brown and going back and just sort of drafting again. <laughs> very good. Fuck, I wish I could in some comps just quietly. <laughs> oh, please. Good God. <laughs> Nightmare. Uh, mate, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, I can't, look to, can't wait to have you on in the future. Too easy, brother. Catch you then. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 